We're going to open our Bibles tonight to Acts 13. Acts 13, as we look at the life of Paul, we'll begin reading at verse 4. Let's all stand together. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. When they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elements, the sorcerer, for so was his name by interpretation. What's it say to it? He withstood them, a sorcerer. Seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. We've been highlighting the word continue over the past few weeks and looking at Paul, the overcomer. I enjoy his life because it's a life of a missionary. I can relate to Paul. I aspire to be just a small portion of what Paul was. and Being used of God, reaching the lost and planting churches. But I remember when we went out as missionaries, the anticipation of what God was going to do, the expectation, sometimes the unrealistic expectations. And you get surprised sometimes in good ways, sometimes in bad ways. There were moments when God greatly exceeded our expectations, but there were other times when you come to the realization it's going to take a lot more work to see the response that you want. But here they are, they, they're going to reach into the area of Galatia. But I want you to see here immediately, I can't imagine young John, John Mark, especially in your youth, you have more spiritual stars in your eyes. Just think, God's going to do this, and God's going to do that, and he's going to use me in a supernatural way, and the first encounter really that they have recording scripture is with a demon possessed man we're not talking about just uh, someone who was satanically used but we're talking about a sorcerer and we're talking about continuing on tonight overcoming disappointments uh, the first one we see here is the disappointment of satanic opposition and uh, i really think about uh, these chapters feel like I'm, I'm speaking to a specific few because most will not know the disappointments on this level because their, their ministry is not large enough to experience this level of opposition, this level of pushback and problems, and especially not, and I know over the course of my ministry, I've, I've seen demonic possession just on a couple of occasions but I do know something about satanic opposition. You get to the point where Satan almost becomes predictable in when and how and where he is going to attack. You put your seatbelt on, you brace yourself and say, if we endeavor this for the cause of Christ, Satan is naturally going to push back harder. And here's what you want to do. Uh, even if God's not using you in an area of church planning or uh, pastoring or assistant pastor, you're still going to be opposed 
And this world is more and more full of the devil. And their opposition is becoming more and more satanic. And what you're going to see in your workplace literally is of Satan. We're not talking about confusion at this point. We're talking about satanic opposition to the word of God and anybody that claims to be a Christian. And what you see in a work environment and what they're going to demand is you go through sensitivity training. And now as we race towards the end times, not the same problems you were dealing with 15 or 20 years ago in the workplace. I guarantee you there's a group here that that can't reach retirement age soon enough because you're seeing all the... uh, I don't want to depress our youth. So I want to be a little guarded tonight, a little cautious. But it is satanic to the core. And what Paul was dealing with is the endeavor. And what you have to expect, young people, if you're going to do the will of God and the work of God, according to the word of God, you can expect the opposition to be satanic. You need to come mentally, spiritually, physically prepared for that. You shouldn't be blindsided. You shouldn't be surprised. I don't think Paul was surprised. I think John Mark was surprised. And here they are dealing with satanic opposition and things that happen to us during times of construction and what takes place during a missions conference and what happens when you're seeing great revival and great days of response to the gospel growth in a church all of those things are going to be pressure points and triggers for Satan to react to what is taking place and try to oppose and hinder the work of God and here's what you're going to see in the life of Paul they didn't back up in fear and this is the great temptation the great temptation is to be overwhelmed by fear because at some point you realize we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And you're talking about darkness that only gets darker. When you think it can't get darker, it does get darker. And Paul very wisely confronts this child of the devil that's trying to pervert the ways of the Lord. And the deputy ends up getting the same because of Paul's response, and here's what you're going to see over the course of his ministry. Despite the pushback, there's a tenacity here of a bulldog. There's persistence and patience in a man that says, although I'm being opposed by Satan and Satan's forces, I'm not backing up and I'm not backing down and I'm not running away and I'm not quitting. And God give us a group of Christians that are tenacious enough to say opposition is real and opposition will come, whether that's to church or evangelism or bus routes, anything a church does that is holding to the word of God. Church, do you think that we can do, continue to do what we're endeavoring to do without Satan continuing to oppose? This world simply wants the church to shut up. If you be quiet... If you don't read an offensive text, well, I'm still trying to find that. If you don't hold to an offensive principle, well, at this point, I don't know what principle that is. 
Because anything that comes from God's word is offensive. And Christians will have the tendency, the temptation to get quieter and quieter when we should get bolder. You should be emboldened in your stand. You ought to be more willing than ever before to say, yes, I want to be proper and appropriate, but at the end of the day, I can't be quiet. God's word demands that I take a stand. Now, it wasn't just a sorcerer. Look what it says in verse 50. Paul gets up and he preaches here. He's constantly trying to find places to preach, synagogues. He goes to the Sabbath. Now, here's what he'll do in these synagogues. He will preach until run out by an angry crowd. That's what he's going to do here. Look what it says. He's in Antioch, Pisidia. But verse 50, after he preaches, and there's a great response on the behalf of the Gentiles. Now, when, when God states in his word that the whole city showed up, God is not an exaggerator. Baptists tend to exaggerate numbers and crowd size. God knows how to count. And when you have a whole city show up, that's some powerful preaching, a powerful movement of God taking place. Obviously, you're going to face some satanic opposition. But uh, look what happens in verse 50. The Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised what? Against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. Now, it's one thing to be opposed by the heathen. It's another thing to be opposed by those with a religious face. The Jews were the religious ones. Their story, up devout honorable women. You've got to be careful with a woman that's stirred up. That's a problem. Look what it says, chapter 14, verse 2, verse 1. came to pass, and I called him, that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews, what happened? Now, this is a pattern. I actually believe that when Paul spoke about that thorn in the flesh, it was literally uh, the Jews that wandered and came constantly behind Paul, stirring up trouble because uh, he simply didn't force these Gentile converts to follow the Jewish laws and regulations. And here's what they did. Look what it says. The Jews so spake a great multitude, both the Jews and also the Greeks believed. The unbelieving Jews, they stirred, here they are, just stirring things up. They stirred up the Gentiles. They made their minds, what's it say? Evil affected. Now, when it comes to opposition and overcoming the disappointments and continuing on, one of the greatest disappointments in life is not always being able to identify the angle of attack. We get surprised because when it's obviously satanic, I mean, if you meet someone on the street that's possessed, you know this is of Satan. But when you meet someone that's religious, has religious title, claims to be a Christian or claims to be an independent Baptist, and suddenly they're the ones that are attacking your principles or morals or standards or convictions or philosophy or theology. 
And the worst part is when their tactics don't work and they begin to slander, there's nothing. There's nothing more evil, more wicked. Because slander is the evil heart of a man that says, I want to assassinate the character of this person. I can't with a pistol end his life. I, couldn't, I can't put a knife in his heart. But what I can do is in that friendship or eliminate the trust of another person or ruin what others think about him for the rest of their life or put a question mark in their mind until death. That's an evil person. Church, you, number one, you better understand this has happened way back in Christianity. You go back in the Old Testament and you, slee- you see the sleazy people like Ahab and Jezebel and what took place when Naboth wouldn't sell his vineyard. But you see this is satanic, so satanic in nature, the assassination of good Christian character. And when you see someone participating in this, this is when you react very quickly, very directly, and very harshly. You should not lend a willing ear to a slander. And anybody that wants to put a question mark in your heart or your mind about another Christian brother, you need to say, hey, listen, I don't care what you claim to be truth, what you think to be truth. I have no time to participate in this conversation. And you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Truth or not, you ought to be ashamed of yourself that you're a willing participant in the character assassination of another person. And to call that person a friend, to call that person a confidant, when they're being used of Satan to forever impact the way, every time that name comes up now, it comes with a thought. It comes with damage. It comes with evil content. And that's what they were doing. These people were so evil, they were stirring others up. People that had begun to respect Paul uh, would no longer hear Paul. And no matter how many times Paul came back through this town, he was not going to change our opinion because the slanders had done some permanent damage in the hearts and minds of these people that were willing listeners for a while. That's satanic. Now, here's what they didn't do. They didn't quit. I found over the course of my 30 years of ministry, uh, there are people. Now, I, I remember in Argentina, and God bless the church, and Churches in Argentina at the time were growing very slowly. And uh, over those first few years, ours grew very quickly. And uh, people begin to, independent Baptist missionary, slander and say, well, that's because the Thompsons are paying people to come. And I thought, if you're going to use a lie, you've got to use one more believable than that. If we're too broke to buy a car... If we'll live five years without a vehicle, I'm not going to use cash to get people to come to church. Now, you would think that's a silly lie. You would think there is no fool on the planet who would believe something like this. You would think. 
But in your heart, if you're not careful, when you get slandered, it's easy to back up and say, well, I'm done serving Jesus. If that's what Christians are going to do to me, and I'm trying to do the right thing, and I'm trying to love God and serve God and obey God, and this is my reward. Paul could have got, jumped on a ship and went home and said, guys, I did my best. We evangelized those that we could. We preached where we could. But at the end of the day, a bunch of slander shut down God's work. Do you think we can, do you really think that we can preach and teach and reach the lost and do it over the course of time and never face slander? Is it possible not to face slander in our community? Is it possible not to face slander among independent Baptist Bible believers? Is that a possibility? As long as there's a devil, that's an impossibility. You better brace yourself and say, I know these things will happen, but I, by the grace of God, with the help of God, am going to overcome that kind of opposition. Now look at verse 13. Let's see another form of opposition that Paul faced. Chapter 13, verse 13. Now when Paul and his company lose from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, John and Mark, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Uh, the next form of disappointment we're going to have to overcome is the disappointment of believers that go backwards. Now, this is a regular disappointment because in the ministry, this is a yearly disappointment. I would like to go one 12-month period without seeing a Christian go backwards. Oh, sometimes they abandon a ministry. Sometimes they abandon church. Sometimes they totally abandon God and begin attacking the very people that they once worked with and supported. There's a lot of ways uh, to abandon what they once believed, did, or stood for. And in this case, we understand the story turns out well. But for Paul, the disappointment is this young man seems so excited and so passionate and so willing. And there he was ministering and he doesn't even make the first leg of the trip and he's done. He says, guys, I, I can't do this. Scripture doesn't make it clear. There's a lot of conjecture and opinions. None of those matter. At the end of the day, Barnabas reinvested in the young man, and later he becomes a blessing to both Barnabas and Paul and the church and writes the book of the Bible. So we know oh, it all turned out well, but every time we see someone abandon the work of God, uh, normally it doesn't turn out like this case. But here's what you're going to have to get used to because it's easy to look at people and admire people and love people and at some point you're going to face the shock, the surprise of what just happened? Why did they leave? Why did they quit that ministry? Why have they stopped serving Jesus? Why are they attacking not just a church, but all churches. Why, why did they say they believe the book and now they attack the book? How did someone that used to be 
in church, every time the doors are open, no longer darken the door of a church. And you're going to see that the longer young people, the longer you live for God and the longer you serve God, you better get accustomed to the disappointment of seeing people that once were wholehearted, adamantly, firmly, passionately serving God. Stop. And at the end of the day, uh, here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to try to dissect or play the psychologist or try to figure out what, how, I'll tell you what happened. It was a personal walk with God that was affected. And at the end of the day, it's revealed in a lot of different ways. But you've got to say, I want to make sure that I'm staying right with God and not deviating from my spiritual duties. I don't want to become a tragedy. I don't want to become someone to jump ship. I don't want to become someone that goes backwards. I could literally spend hours telling you story after story of preachers, missionaries, church members, helpers. I'm talking about key people, people that sign documents, people that held positions. Not only not in church, but become people that get so backwards with God, they begin attacking the church. And you got to say, I'm going to overcome that disappointment. How many of you have already overcome that disappointment at least once or twice in your life? And you're going to have to overcome it again and again. And again, and you got to say, I want to be prepared emotionally and spiritually and make sure I'm not part of that group that is a disappointment. Amen. 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 Young people, you stay faithful. When you start distancing yourself from your local church, you're already on that track. I've rarely actually been surprised by disappointments because you can trace the steps of those that go off the cliff. It's always the same steps. Look at verse 8 of chapter 14. I see another disappointment here that Paul faced. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent, and his feet being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never walked, and the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leapt and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying, In the speech of Lyconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter, and Paul Mercurius, because he was a chief speaker, then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people to their two new-founded gods. Which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they rent their clothes, or they ran in among the people crying out, saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also men of like passions with you that preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God. I'll tell you the third disappointment is people misunderstanding who you are, what your purpose is, and what your motives are. And when you serve God, young people, you're going to be called 
a lot of different names. So you think you're some special God's gift to this business. You think you have to be holier, which makes you think that I am unholy? And because you please God doing that, I'm not pleasing to God because I don't do that. And people begin to question your motives. There's nothing more hurtful outside of slander than someone questioning your motives. But here's Paul, and he's preaching as a bar God on it. It has, at this point, the sign gifts have not ceased, and he heals a man. A great miracle has taken place, and these people had never seen a man heal. They had seen the false prophets give their best shot. They'd seen the fake healers every city. And the history of mankind has had fake healers. They'd already dealt with Benny Hinn and all the rest of that crowd. But here was a man that really could cause a lame to walk. And when that happened, you know what they said? The gods are here among us. And they started to party and say, let's make animal sacrifice. Jupiter and Mercury have have dropped here into our city. We've been blessed by the presence of the gods. And here's what you've got to be careful of. There'll be rare moments in leadership where someone, someone lifts you up way too high. You know what happens? You'll stumble and bumble around trying to get off that ladder and put things in perspective. And no matter how you do it, it's going to be awkward for everyone involved. And people say, oh, back in the day there was house worship and there was man worship. There's been man worship from the beginning of time. Amen. It was not one man or one church or one school or one ministry uh, we all, listen, there are kids that idolize basketball players and soccer stars. There are Christian kids that idolize messy football players. Tom Brady. That's right. They know more statistics from football teams and baseball teams than no Bible verses from the New Testament. That's sad. And yet they're going to yell about uh, someone. Uh, idolize in a preacher. I, I think you've got to be very careful. I think you've got to be very cautious. I think leaders got to be very careful and very cautious. But at the end of the day, boy, you've you got to realize this. Uh, if someone praises you, uh, enjoy your moment in the sun because that's going to change. That doesn't last long. Whatever accolades you're getting, it'll turn from accolades to, accolades to sugar-free lemonade. It's not going to be beautiful for too long. And as soon as he shuts it down, look what happens. Verse 18, with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having what? what? Wait, you were just doing animal sacrifice to Mercury and Jupiter. And now you're pulling out rod. Listen. You're exalting them to godlike status at one moment. In the next moment, you're killing them. You're a participant in their death. 
Now, when you are doing the work of God and you're in a place of leadership, you better understand things can turn on a dime. Things can change very quickly from love to hate. And here's what happens. Uh, next thing you know, Paul finds himself down there. I believe he died when Paul said, I, I knew of a man who's carried away into the third heaven. I believe he's talking about himself in the third person. And uh, these people knew what death looked like. And some of them have been stoned. We're talking about broken bones and a crashed skull and blood coming out of the mouth and nose. And God literally raised him up in their presence. And here's what he said. And now, how, how many of you are smart enough to say, okay, that's the end of my ministry. I think I'm done right there. I was feeling pretty good about the future when they called me Jupiter and they called, called me Mercury. But when they took a ball about the size of a rock, about the size of Mercury, and then threw it in my head, changed my mind. It, it doesn't take much for, for young men to give up their calling. It doesn't take much for a young person to quit sowing. It doesn't take much for someone to jump out of the ministry that they thought God was leading them into. Most don't make it three or four years, let alone eight or ten years. But if, if everything doesn't stay perfectly aligned and if people don't praise them, if they don't get thank you notes and accolades and preacher doesn't recognize me every 15 days. I'm done. Paul was stoned. Here's what you better understand. You're going to have to deal with the disappointment of being misunderstood, not as a preacher, but just as a Christian. What you're trying to do for God, it can be as simple as passing out a track, handing out a Bible, inviting someone to church, and you've got a family member suddenly going to misrepresent you. Help someone else misunderstand you. Now, look at it says, verse 19, once more. There came thither certain Jews from Antioch. This, I'm convinced, once again, was his thorn in the flesh. These Jews would not leave him alone. He had already faced persecution in Antioch. already faced persecution in Iconium. He had been running out of those two cities. But now they persuade the people to pick up rocks. And having stoned Paul, they drew him out of the city. Verse 20, how bad is the disciples stood round about him? He what? He what? Oh, one more time, let's say that together. Church, here's what we're talking about tonight, overcoming disappointment. Get up. There have been a lot of times, I'll confess in my ministry, there have been Sunday nights, there have been Monday nights, there have been Wednesday nights. When I was done, I, I thought, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this another week. I don't want to do this another month. I'm tired of the opposition. I'm tired of the attacks. Now, there's the disappointment of the physical problems. Now, in this case, it was stoning. But let me ask you this. How many think if someone's going to do the will of God, God ought to at least provide them with good health? Strengthy, a strong body, spiritual, physical, emotional strength to overcome every obstacle. But how many of God's greatest workers have been hampered by physical ailments? 
you read any of those biographies, you know what you're going to find? Extreme pain on some level in the family. Death of a child, death of a wife, someone crazy. Now, we're not just talking back surgery. We're talking about chronic illnesses that had to be overcome. And when you get ready to serve God and you, you think, Lord, if, if I do this, certainly you're going to keep me from any illness and talking about 70, 75, and then it'll just be light physical pain and uh, I'll hit the rapture and receive my glorified body without any serious physical issues. Now, this was just the first of many. Can you imagine what Paul's body looked like? Now, I know there's debate over, was Paul married and uh, widowed? Was he a widower? Did his wife pass away? Was he unmarried? I don't know. All I know was Paul was blessed at this point because a woman would have never survived what he was endeavoring to do in his church planning. But he's going to be beaten repeatedly. But just this one moment alone would have put uh, our ministries to a stopping point. We would have tapped out, checked out, quit and split. And said, I'm done serving God, if that's what it means. I, don't know, I, I talked to Brother Kirby Campbell here a couple weeks ago. Brother Kirby Campbell had a back surgery that went awry and in, it's absolutely his story is incredible what he suffered and what he dealt with and how he stayed faithful in the midst of all that and now God has healed that man he said preacher you're not going to believe it but I've been pain free for months now and you say thank God but there are others that are not pain free and continue to deal with those health issues but you're going to deal with this one, young people. If you're going to serve God, if you truly are going to serve God in this day and age, you're going to have to confront the disappointments of life and say, I'm not letting that stop me. When you look at uh, Brother Nichols Sr. or Brother Johnson, Brother Hoffmeister, and these people that have been serving God, Brother St. Pierre, these people that have been serving God uh, for 30, 40, 50 years, it's not because they dealt with less that helped them survive. It was that they overcame more than those that quit. They faced those disappointments and said, I'm going to rise up. What's it say about Paul? Let's read that together. We'll be done. Let's all stand together. Look what it says in verse 20. How be as the disciples stood around about him, let's say it together, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas. He said, let's keep on preaching. Let's keep on going. We're not quitting. We're not going back. We're not going home. Uh, we're not crying about what just took place. We're not going to do plastic surgery at the moment. God had to have healed him. I don't know what to, to, to what degree, but Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He certainly did. But that means overcoming a lot of disappointments. And 
church, I hope you'll determine you'll commit to doing the same thing. I'm not going to be stopped by the disappointments that come with serving Jesus.